Welcome to Fly on the Wall, a podcast where you have the opportunity to listen in on a live coaching conversation. Please make sure to like and subscribe. And now for today's episode. Hey man, let's jump into it. How can I serve you today? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so do you want me to go over the questions? Yeah. <coughs> Whatever questions you have. Okay, great. <coughs> you want me to do the Heimlich? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm getting choked up just thinking about questions. The, the virtual Heimlich, I'm coming your way. <laughs> um, sorry, give me one second. I, I need I, to pull I, up I, the yeah, question. Whatever. whatever, it's all good. Whatever all right. you got, let's do it. <coughs> I got it. All I right. Water. Oh, uh, here he goes. Hopefully you can edit out that train wreck of, of coughing. <laughs> all right. Um, so... Uh, what common themes have you seen from churches that have grown during the, the pandemic? I think a lot of churches are saying, hey, we're all you know low attendance. And I think it's been the norm to say that. But I also look out and I see some outliers. I see some churches that are bigger now than they were before. Yep. And so I'm trying to connect the dots. What yep. are they doing? Are there any common themes that we could learn from? Wow, that's it. Well, yeah, that's awesome. It is true. Um majority of not back to where they were, but man, there are some outliers. You're right. Um, there's a few out there that are larger than they've ever been. Uh, and um, <clears throat> there's a few things that come to mind. Some of them we talked about with you and your staff. I was with your staff, I don't know, a month or two ago. And um, some of them come to mind uh, that come to mind are one. I do think that um, one thing I've noticed I sat in probably two staff meetings with some pretty large churches that have come back even stronger. One thing I've noticed is they don't talk about it anymore. Hmm. They're That's done good. talking about pre-pandemic. It's like, this is who we are. Let's grow. And let's just figure it out. And they have gotten back to work on building leaders, back to work on building teams. They are high in gear and they're not, <clears throat> they're not even addressing it anymore. And some of them are in some states that are really tough to you know, that are slow to come back because of, you know, restrictions or whatever. Uh, but they've come back really, really strong. I would say one, they've drawn a line in the sand and just said, this is who we are. Let's build. And they built. The other one we've talked about with your staff, and I would by far say this is the one that um, seems to resonate the most is that they've chosen engagement over attendance. Um, mm. They've done an incredible job uh, going after engagement uh, and um, uh, engagement being getting people involved in ministry somehow, uh, getting people serving, getting people in small groups, getting people plugged into the life of the church. As I've always said, and I've said on this podcast before in another episode was, um, you know, it's um, it, when, when you talk to your staff and you're like, we're going to be 500 by the end of the year. I always laugh at that because I'm thinking, what is the staff actually going to do about that? <laughs> like, yeah. You're the only one that cares about that because they're like, hey, whatever, let's go eat. They, they don't care. Uh, but when you say, well, we're going to we're going to uh, engage, you know, 40 people in new in ministry in the next 90 days or we're going to we're going to all collectively we're going to go after 20 new volunteers every month or whatever the number is. Well, now that that's different because now we're all working on that. Like, OK, we're all going to go after four each or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, that's different. You can hold them accountable to that, but you can't hold them accountable to an attendance goal, but you can hold them accountable to an engagement goal. 
and the engagement goal ultimately creates the attendance. Uh, that is probably one of the largest things I've seen. Uh, another thing I've seen is there's been a few of them that have done really well. Uh, thinking of my buddy in Cincinnati, he he's done a really good job of moving people from online to on-site. Um, he's figured out some ways to do that. Um, so they're, you know, like people do monthly coffee with the pastor, do they monthly desserts with the pastor, you know, yeah. and learn about the church and sign up for ministry or whatever, whatever you try to accomplish in that. He's actually doing it digitally to some degree, but only offering certain things on site. So okay. he'll have digital dessert with the pastor once a month and he'll have 10 or 15 people on there and they literally just like this. And then he'll say, you know, his, he kind of has a step by it. Like if they visit online, he tries to get them to do this. Then from there, he makes sure that they're called if they can get their number. Then from there, he invite them to a digital dessert. And from there, he invites them to an on-site, which is a dinner with the pastor or something more, meet the entire staff, whatever. But <clears throat> there's a, and I don't have it all memorized, but I've, I've been interested to see how much attention he's put on moving people from on-site to online. I'm sorry, from online to on-site. People that are watching online that do live within driving distance, can we get them uh, uh, on-site? And uh, I would say that would probably be the third thing that I've seen as something pretty valuable. That's uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> A lot of people, <clears throat> it's interesting because the, the big thing I keep hearing is we can't get leaders and we can't get volunteers. Yeah. Uh, that's probably because we lost a lot of our volunteers uh, <clears throat> and they're not back. And I don't know if they'll ever come back. Uh, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't know. Um, however, um, I think that should be more of the urgent to go back to the number two engagement over attendance. Uh, when people say that, I, it's hard for me to get volunteers. I'm thinking you're probably going after the same nine people that haven't shown up in the last year. Yeah. But if you look at a team, say they got 10 staff members and go, okay, you guys are having a hard time getting volunteers. Okay, truth, honesty, no one lying here. How many people have you approached in the last three weeks? How yeah. many people have you had coffee appointments with in the last three weeks? The answer almost inevitably comes back close to zero. Okay, yeah. so I'm just thinking out loud. You can't get volunteers, but you're not asking. <laughs> you know, Bible says you have not because you ask not. I mean, just kind of some common sense here. It's like, it's hard for me to believe that if we all 10 of us, which went nuts over the next six months, that we couldn't add 20 volunteers a month for the next six months, new volunteers. It's hard yeah. for me to believe that we couldn't accomplish that. Yeah, he can, but. Sure. Well, I, I love, I, I love that you're, you're saying this and, and highlighting that because so often, at least in my experience with church staff, they want it all to come from the stage. They want the announcement to co constantly come from the stage. And I think that there are some people who will respond to the stage, but there are a lot of people who just tune it out. Like it doesn't matter how good you preach or what you say. When you start talking about working in the kid's room, they're like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but they will respond differently to a personal ask. And I, I love that you brought that up. Yep. There is. I, I do think that. And I think set a goal for the team everybody's accountable to a certain number, whatever that number is, five for each of you, four over a period of 45 days, whatever, you know, kind of make it runs like every 30 days, every 60 days. I think you, 
like you said, um, it keeps them accountable and people respond differently. I will say this, people respond differently, 100% agree, personally over stage. Because yeah. it drives me nuts when a staff member goes, I need four volunteers. Can you make an announcement? I've heard that before. And yeah. I'm like, when did it become his responsibility? Yeah. You know, uh, that's one thing that <clears throat> drives me nuts. Because I'm thinking yeah. recruiting and developing and building your teams for a staff. Um, I don't know what number it falls in priority, but it's way up there. Like you need to be a leader of leaders. You need to know how to develop teams. Like yeah. if that's number eight on your list, I don't know if you should be on the staff. I think you yeah. should. That's just, you're good at it. One thing I would say, and you can transfer this to your staff and anybody else can transfer to their staff is some people are more natural, two things. Some people are more natural recruiters than others. Yeah, sure. One, tell your staff, hey, if you're not a natural recruiter, that doesn't excuse that you don't need to do it, but why don't you get five of your people on your worship team to help you do the recruiting. So don't be the only recruiter for the worship team. Get five of you. Now you have a team of five that are going after whatever amount. Now you have a team of five in first impressions. Now you have a team of five in the children. It's not just you. Don't put it on you. Make it yeah. something that is a team effort. Like five of you recruiting is better than one of you recruiting. And so the other thing I would say is I, I think they all need a little bit of a Oh, I don't know, a little five minute, 10 minute lesson on how do you actually recruit? Because for some of them, yeah. if you're medium introvert to low, you know, to high introvert or whatever, like, whoo, that's a hard thing. You know, it's like, I don't do that. Well, one, get team members. And two, realize th there has to be a paradigm shift, I think, Rob, in people's mind. Like, you're not asking people to join the team. You need to shift to think, I'm inviting people to fulfill their purpose. And you have to change it. Like, oh, I've got to beg them. i got to beg to be on the team. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Shift to thinking, no, I'm inviting you to be a part of purpose. I yeah. realize, I think it's over 70% of all people in the nation are not satisfied and happy with their job. They do it because it's a living. Yeah. Okay. So they sleep eight hours a day. They work eight hours a day. <laughs> and so the sleep, we count that off. The eight hours, they don't like that. What do we got left? Give them purpose. Ephesians 4 says our, our goal is to, our objective is to equip the saints. So show them how to recruit. Let their paradigm shift be that I'm inviting them to something great. I'm not begging them. I'm giving them a chance of purpose. But then, like, teach them how to do it. You walk up to Joe and Jessica and you're like, hey, Joe and Jessica, hey, man, can I talk to you real quick in the lobby at the church? I just noticed that, man, when you walk in, everybody looks at you, everybody smiles. You guys have an amazing smile. You're like the Ken and Barbie of our church. Everybody loves you. And I'm thinking that this incredible thing that God gave you, that we could do something really good here at the church with it, that, that, that God could use that in a great kingdom purpose. Would you, would you yeah. mind talking with us uh, this week about it? Yeah. They're not going to look at you and say, no, I'm telling you 90% yeah. of the time. They're like, yeah, sounds great. Because yeah. you yeah. complimented them. You told them they have a gift and you said, we, I think that special gift, the way you smile, the way people just kind of attract to you, I think that the, that the Lord could use that in a great way at our church. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that little statement, you will walk out Sunday morning with five numbers of people you got to call and you'll probably end yeah. up recruiting three or four of them. It isn't that hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I agree a hundred percent. It's not that hard. It's just, no one's teaching us that like, 
I remember my days, you know, when I was, before I was a lead pastor, I was in an office with zero direction. And so it's like, well, what do you do with, with your time? Well, I'll just do an event because that gives me something to work on. So, cause I wanted to be busy. So then you're just working on things and no one sits down. What you just said, it is simple, but no one's teaching us that. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. Um, so I would, you know, again, to the first question of, Hey, coming back strong, the outliers, um, the, on the engagement attendance, man, I would, I would run that play over and over every 60 days. All right. We're going after 20 in the next 60 days, 60 days up, you hit 18. Okay. We're going after 20 again, 60 days up, you hit 21. We're going after 20 again. Watch what happens. You engage, I don't know, 80 new people, 70 new people by the end of the year. Watch what it will do to your attendance. Just make sure they're all not going after the same person. And we got one person that's going in three ministries and we're counting them three times. Yeah. We're going after new blood and yeah. watch what happens. I'm telling you, yeah. the church will follow it in growth. It will. That's good. It that's will. Good. It's tangible too. It's something we can know that we finished. We can come to a finish line every 60 days. Yeah. That's what I love about it. You can come to a finish line in your 60 day run or 30 day run or 90 day run, you can come to a finish line and go, we hit it. Or, Hey, we went for 20. We got 18, but man, that's great. Hey, now we do it again. You can't do that with attendance, man. There's just, there's nothing to do with it, but this one, you can do it and it will create the growth. I'm telling you it will work. What would you say that that is scalable for, um, you know, a lot of the churches that we deal with are under a hundred. Is that scalable if they only have, you know, attendance of 60 and they may only have, you know, eight people that aren't serving. Um, <laughs> is it scalable? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Cause I just dealt with that last week with the church I was talking to, um, uh, on the, on the, on the East coast. And, uh, they were, they kind of asked the same question. Um, and I, I would answer it this way. I think you got to bring the number down. It clearly isn't going to be 30 in 30 days. Uh, but, um, I would say, here's what I'd say about that. I think that when we set a goal that's, you know, reachable, but, but far enough that we know God's going to have to come through, you know, one of those balanced goals. I think God brings in the people, brings in the growth, brings in the new blood when we actually start going after it. Mm -hmm. I just, I know that isn't some big leadership I don't know, principle or a methodical system or anything, but you've heard me say this before. We pray for rain. We never dig the ditch. Yeah, that's good. So God, give us a church of a thousand. Really? What are you going to do with them? You're not even <laughs> ready for them. <laughs> you know? What are you going to do? You know, you're not ready for small groups. You're not ready for serving. You don't have a system. You don't have an easy onboarding idea. Your teams are not ready for it. Your staff's not ready for it. Okay. Same thing here. But if we say, God, we want to grow. And we know in order to grow, we need more leaders and volunteers. So God, I don't know where we're going to get, we're a smaller church, where we're going to get 15 new volunteers in the next 60 days, but help us. I'm telling you over and over, I've heard this before. It just sort of happened. And yeah. then they run the play again. And it just sort of happened because I yeah. think that's when God starts going from heaven and going, all right, I guess you guys are getting serious about this. Yeah. I yeah. just somehow I think God just kind of shows up and makes it happen. So I do think it's scalable, but I think it's scalable in the spiritual realm because God says, Oh, they're getting serious now. All right. We're yep. ready to pour out some people. Yeah. 
That that's so that's so good. And and I think it's so encouraging because I think sometimes when your church is not growing and you see these other churches that are, it's like, well, what's wrong with me? And this is something very practical. It's like, okay, like this isn't about your preaching. This isn't about, you know, you're not good enough. This is a practical play. You, here's the play, run it every 90 days. I love how practical that is. And yeah. then just keep running the play. It works. Yes. So like keep the play. Yeah. You know, I, you're spot on. And it doesn't matter if your church is 70 or your church is 700. It works. Um, it really does work. And the one thing I would say is I think the engagement works at even a higher level in 2022 than it did in any other year. Here's why. Because mm. You've heard me say people come for the message, they stay for the relationships. That's where they're going to get relationships in these ministries. They're going to build friendships. The other thing is, I think 15 years ago, you believe, then you belong. Now I think yeah. you belong, then you believe. People yeah. just want to belong to something. Yeah. And they'll join almost any crazy tribe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> isn't <Yeah>. it true? <laughs> think about that. You know, I, I think there's a whole study there. I won't even get into it, but it's like, Think about all the subgroups in high school. Yeah. You know, it's like that punk rock group over there and the ones with the crazy hair and the ones that party and the ones that get stoned and the ones that play sports and the ones that, what are we all looking for? We're all looking yeah. for a tribe that yeah. will accept us. People want to belong. So when you engage people quickly at the church, the average person takes four to six months to get engaged at the church. Mm. Get it down to two months. Wow. Not four to six. Um, I don't think time is your friend in that situation because I think the longer they don't get, the longer they don't get sticky to the church, yeah, the less likely they are to stay. But you might put someone in helping out with greeting or giving out a donut or whatever it is you park a lot or whatever. You might have yeah. someone help out in that area. But here's the thing: they may be new to faith, or they may not even be sure about faith, but they still want to belong. Yeah. And uh, it's practical. It's an easy play to run. It holds everybody accountable. And it gives us two major things, numerical growth and bigger teams. Yeah. And it works. I'm telling yeah. you, it works. just run the play over and over and watch what yeah. happens. That's so good. That's, yeah. that's really good. Cool. cool. What else you got? Um, well, this is changing gears a little bit, yeah. um, but it's been, it's been on my mind. So I wanted to pick your, your brain with it. Um, there, is, it seems to be a lot of church scandals going on right now and things that have made mainstream, like there's the whole podcast about Mars Hill, there's the Discovery Plus show about Hillsong, um, and there just seems to be a lot of former megachurch pastors who are being let go because of their decisions. Mm. And I just was curious, what's your best advice to pastors to finish strong? Mm. Um, I don't know. If, uh, uh, one, let me say my heart breaks for all of it because yeah. I don't want to see leaders fall. I don't want to see churches decrease. And then I don't want to see people leave the fold because all, oh, you know, they get hurt or all their aspirations were set up into a leader that failed them to some degree, whether they ever yeah. met the leader or not, they still feel failed. There's so much losing that happens. First of all, I, the one thing I think, uh, and you didn't ask this question, but I just, it's, it's, it's on my heart. Um, I think we do a horrible job in the kingdom 
when someone falls or a situation falls. Um, I just wish we would do better. Uh, I just know if I got kicked to the curb, I'd want a bunch of friends believe in me and believe that my, my ministry is not over. If you get kicked to the curb for whatever reason, something you did wrong or whatever, you don't want to be like ostracized. Um, I think we need to do a better job loving. Um, they will know you are my believers by your love for one another. Yeah. Uh, I think we hurt the kingdom. We take a bad situation, make it worse by the way we react. Yeah. Um, the, but, but to that question, um, I, 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 I go to the story of Samson usually when I think about mm. people that, um, you know, situations like a Hillsong or Mars Hill, whatever. There's a couple things. One, um, if you look at the life of Samson, um, he was a Nazarite, which means he had judges and other people around him all the time. But you noticed that he would go into areas where the judges and the and the, his leaders and his accountability partners weren't around him. Yeah. With the grapevine area into the vines and where they weren't around him. He chose to move away from points of accountability. Mm. And, and that was the, the beginning of, of the problem for him. He chose not to be around. That's, that's one thing. When That's you choose good. not to have that accountability, when you choose not to be honest, when you choose not to be transparent with those that are close to you, not everybody, but the one or two people you trust with your life. That's yeah. problem one. Now let's also inside of the story of Samson. It is a, it is a, uh, the second thing is, I think that he never imagined that he would ever lose his strength. Yeah. And he never imagined he would lose his position. And so he operated in this sort of, look how big I am, <clears throat> look how much I've accomplished, look, look how much God uses my life, look how much I am the favored one. Um, maybe he never said that out loud, but it got into his heart. Mm -hmm. And when it got into his heart, he began to think, man, I can be around whoever I want to be around. I can be around this lustful lady and I can, I can handle it. And a matter of fact, I can do something wrong and still handle it. And somehow he sort of thought that he was above it. Yeah. I would say that's the second thing that mm -hmm. you, you can't think that you're above it. You, you can't avoid accountability with the people closest to you. And if you start thinking at all, you're above it. It's usually a thought, not a word and not maybe even an action, but it's a heart thing where it's like, and I'm look at me, I've got it. The yeah. other thing is that I think we need to realize is to catch it early. Um, People say that Samson, you know, he fell, um, you know, the fall of Samson. He didn't fall. He was falling mm. for years. Yeah, that's good. He didn't fall. He was falling for years, but nowhere in the falling did he ever catch it. Mm. And that's what I would say that you got to be honest enough to go. I'm falling. Yeah. I haven't had the fall yet but I'm falling and um, I'm falling down a 10 step staircase and I'm on stair number six, going to five, going to four. I better catch myself. I think those are the things that, that uh, you catch yourself. You put the accountability people around you. You keep your heart protected that you're not above it. Um, and you realize that a fall doesn't happen overnight. You know, yeah. like, well, it was just one thing. No, no, it never happens like that. It always happens that you were falling. Four years, eight years, 12 years, whatever. You were falling. 
somewhere you're going to have to catch yourself and put the safeguards in place. I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And while you're speaking, it made me think about how we, when it comes to sin, we always overestimate our ability to handle it and we underestimate the consequences. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We're, you know, uh, it's in Proverbs, I believe. I think it was in Proverbs where it says only a fool would say, I'd never do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had a pastor friend of mine say, dude, I'd never cheat on my wife. I'm like, mm-hmm. you better be careful. <laughs> yeah. You better be careful, my friend. I would never do that. I love her too much. I'm like, uh, yeah. how about saying I'm human, I'm flesh. I would never get addicted to crack. Oh, well, not, not, <laughs> you never know, man. Have you tried it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I don't know, man. You're right. We overestimate what we can handle and underestimate the effect of it or the consequence of it. Um, and that's why I think to posture our heart and go, I'm human. Yeah. Uh, I've never taken a drink of alcohol. It doesn't mean I couldn't become an alcoholic. That's right. Secret pastor alcoholic or an affair yeah. or someone who steals money from the church or whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. You better know in your heart, I could do any of those things. Yep. And I better be careful in what I do and who I put myself around to make sure those things don't happen. Cause yeah anybody can do any of it. Yeah. That's why I love that you, you started with the accountability and inviting it in your life. Um, cause by ourselves, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna not be our best when we're by ourselves. We're going to push boundaries or I, no one's looking, I can get away with this, right. but that accountability, you're not going to do that stuff when someone's watching. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <clears throat> simply invite people into your life. There's those one or two people that you have to have that I always say, look, get one or two people in your life that you can say anything to. And if you get really frustrated, you might even say something you shouldn't say, <laughs> but they don't care because yeah. they love you and they respect you and they're going to tell you the truth and they're never going to reveal confidentiality. There's only one or two people like that in your life. And yeah. you have to have those people like you can just vomit on, say some stupid things, say things you probably would never say in public, act whatever, but just you have to have those people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, man, this has been great, man. I hope it's been helpful for you. Uh, yes. Good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. I got to jump on my next zoom call, but man, always great talking with you, Rob. I sure do appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you for right. your time. See you, bud. Thanks for stopping by today. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like subscribe and to be on the lookout for more podcasts from fly on the wall. See you next time.